Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson said something like this. John the Baptist may have lost his head, but he never lost his voice. And it got me thinking about the voice. What is our voice? Obviously, you know, we think of our voice as speaking. But I went on a study throughout the Scriptures. The word voice is used in the Scripture in 456 verses. And then voices in another 16 verses. And many of these passages deal with the voice of the Lord and the voice of man. But a few deal with some other voices, and I want to show you some of these this morning by way of introduction, because we think of voice as the voice of a person talking. But in, I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. I was hoping to have slides to go with it. But in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10, and what I was trying to do is save you from having to flip through your entire Bible because I had all these verses on slides. But this is a good exercise. So here we go. We'll start from the book of Genesis. So go to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10. And if we get it fixed, we'll, we'll, they'll give me a thumbs up and we'll get it going here. When Cain had killed Abel, God comes to him in verse 10 and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So God's saying, the voice of your brother's blood cries unto me. Interesting. Because his blood was crying for justice. Flip over to Exodus chapter 4 and verse 8. Exodus 4 and verse 8. It says, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Here we go. We got it working. Now you won't have to do that so often. Okay, the voice of the latter sign. And this is a voice of signs. The signs being that God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, a rod. And the um, he threw the rod down. Let's go back here and just look. Verse 3, and he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. That was a wise move, Moses. I would too. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and, the, and it became a rod in his hand. And then the second, side, the second sign, he was to put his hand in his bosom, and he took it out and it became leprous. He puts it back in and it became uh, pure again. In Exodus 19, and now that we got this working, I won't make you the voice of trumpets. Exodus 19, 16, and it came to pass in the third day in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Exodus 19, 19. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and loud, louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. Job talks about... Go ahead and hit the next slide. You just go ahead and advance it back there. All right, the next one is the voice of... A lion, and I have no idea why we have so much trouble with this. It really does work when an empty room. The voice of a lion, and that's given to us in Job chapter 4 and verse 10, where it says, The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of young lions are broken. Psalm 19 gives us the voice of the heavens. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 3 the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night 
showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The next one is the voice of flood. Psalm 93, 3. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 10 talks of the voice of cattle. For the mountains will take up a weeping and wailing, and for the habitations of the wilderness, a lamentation because they are burned up, so that none can pass through them, neither can man hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl and of the heavens and of the beast are fled, they are gone. Then in Song of Solomon 12, 2.12, rather, and Nahum 2.7 talks about doves. The flowers appear of the earth. When the time of the singing birds has come, the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Turtle there is turtle dove. Okay, it's just shortened. Nahum 2.7, and Huzzah said, uh, shall lead the captivity away, and she shall be brought up, and her maid shall lead her as with the voice of doves tabering upon their breasts. And then in Exodus 32, 18, the last example, it's not on the slide, but that's okay, is the voice of victory and defeat. And you can turn to this one, please. Exodus chapter 32, verse 18. And I promise you, I won't have you flipping much more in your Bibles, okay? And I apologize that that not not worked out quite as I had planned, but we did make it through. And don't let that be a distraction, please. Exodus 32, verse 17, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is noise of war in the camp. And he, Moses said, It is not the voice of them to shout for mastery, neither the voice of them to cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. So there's the voice of victory and the voice of defeat that would have a distinct sound to it. Each of these voices has a very distinct sound, does it not? Now, very interestingly, we don't really think a lot of the voice of heavens because when we look up in the sky, it looks pretty silent. But they are screaming something, aren't they? The stars are saying something. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So, in this study... And Lord willing, over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at the voice and different aspects of the voice and different people who use their voice in a proper way because, Christian, you and I have a voice given to us by God. And so I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and that's where we're going to start this morning, this study. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, looking at the significance of the voice. The significance of the voice. Now, in context, Paul is dealing with the gifts of prophecy and tongues. Now, when Paul says, and he's given instructions to the church, we understand tongues was a sign gift that the church no longer needs, but he, because it was part of what was going on then, he gives these instructions. And when he says an unknown tongue, it refers to an unknown language. So, unknown to the one speaking it. Okay, not unknown to the hearer is the way it's supposed to be. Not this gibberish that they call speaking in tongues today. You say, how do you know that? Because in Acts chapter 2, when it says God gave the gift of tongues, the people heard them in their own language. Right? Okay, so there was a reason why the tongues was given. 
It was a miracle of God showing that this validation of this message. Now, why do we not need that sign today? Because we have the complete canon of Scripture. God has given us His complete revelation. We no longer need the sign gifts. But the point Paul is making in this particular passage we're going to study this morning, that what good is it to get up and speak in an unknown tongue if nobody in the room knows the language you're speaking? Or if there's nobody to interpret it, what good did it do? Okay, there are certain religions that the preacher will get up and he speaks in different languages, usually Latin. And may I ask, what good does that do? Matter of fact, I've heard many who have come out of Catholicism say, you know, the preacher, the pastor, the priest, whatever, used to get up there and used to say all this stuff, and nobody understood a word he's saying. It's like, well, then what's the purpose of it? And that's exactly what Paul is saying. What's the purpose of it if you don't hear it? If I got up here and I spoke in French, what good would it be to you? Absolutely none. Less than it is speaking in English. <clears throat> so we're going to look this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting at verse 7. And if you are physically able, if you would please stand with me and honor the reading of God's word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting at verse 7. For even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet shall give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them without, without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. So here's the three ways in which I want us to look at this passage this morning and three facts about the voice as we look at the significance of a voice this morning. First of all, the voice is to be distinct, as seen in verses 7 through 9. The voice is to be distinct, and we'll explain that. Verse 10 contains our second fact, that the voice is to be significant. It's to be significant. And then our final fact from verse 11 is the voice is to be meaningful. So you and I need to understand the importance of the voice. Let us ask God for his guidance, please. Father, again, we thank you for this time we have together this morning. I pray that these truths from your word about our voice, we would take it, we would understand it, we would heed it and realize, Lord, that we as Christians have a responsibility to use our voice for your honor, your glory. There's a significance to our voice. And Lord, may we use what you've given us for the purpose for which you've designed it. And Father, again, if there's one that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray that today they would understand their need of salvation. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The voice is to be distinct. You know, each voice is different. Look again in verse 7. He says, even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? Okay, so first of all, there's a distinction in the sounds in that when you hear a piano, you know that that's a piano. I hope. 
because it has a distinction in the sound in which it makes, right? Now, you talk to the experts who play the piano, they're going to tell you there's big differences among the pianos, too. There's some really bright ones, there's some mellow ones, there's some all these other terms that they use to make us all feel like we have no clue what we're talking about, because we don't. And, you know, they, but they describe all this tonal quality of it, and I get it, it does actually exist, okay? But a piano does not sound like a trumpet, right? But a trumpet has a very unique sound. And, you know, you can look among God's creation. And this is part of the why I took the time to, in the introduction to go through all these different voices because God has given all his creation a different voice, right? You hear moo, right? That's a cow. You don't think, oh, wow, there comes a duck. Because there's a distinction in the sound. But not only in the sound that it makes, but the way it's put together. Say, what are you talking about? Okay. So, let's talk a little bit more about the distinction of the sound. <clears throat> when a loved one speaks, it used to be when, they, when you pick up the phone, all your loved one had to do was say hello, and you knew who it was. Well, now these cell phones ruined all that because you know who it is before you ever pick it up. But remember the good old days, for those who are old enough to remember before cell phones, you know, you pick up the phone and they say hello, you're like, oh, hi. You knew who it was by the distinction of their voice. I am glad, actually, we have a cell phone. Because on the phone, my wife and my daughter sound alike. And my daughter has called me from my wife's phone, and I thought it was Susan. And then after I'm done saying something, she goes, this is your daughter, Dad. And she always waits till I say something. But Christian, our voice needs to be different than the world's voice. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Our voice should be a voice of rejoicing, a voice of joy, one that is praising God for the things He does. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have times of sorrow and struggle, but truthfully, we should be people of joy. We should have a voice of praise, Psalm 40, verse 3, and He put a new song in my mouth, even a praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. That part of in fear, I think, means a different thing when I sing, but the idea being that there should be, our praise and singing should bring glory to God. We should have the voice of truth, Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. And of course, John 13.35 tells us, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we should have the voice of love. But it's more than in what we just say, but it's in what we do. Because do not our actions speak? Is that not part of our voice? As a matter of fact, do not our actions typically speak louder than our words? Children are going to follow your example more than they're going to follow what you tell them to do. Because they're watching and they learn more with their eyes. They hear more of your voice, if you will through their eyes than they do your ears. Their ears. Peter reminds us, but as he hath called you who is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now conversation in the old English meant more than just our talk, but conversation meant your whole manner of living, all, all, all your whole aspect of life. And so in all aspect of life, you and I are to live holy. 
it's not, as my mama used to say, be a Sunday devil or a Sunday saint and an everyday devil, right? We know those that come to church and they put on this show and then the rest of the week they live like however. No, I am a Christian on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day of the week, and I need to live like it. But not only does the voice have a different sound, each voice is different, but it has to be an understood sound. Okay, now, I remember when you're on the drill field, there were certain bugle sounds that told you when to come to attention, when to go to parade rest, before they'd sound morning colors, which was a bugle call, by the way. They would, they would sound attention. You'd come to attention, they play morning colors, and then afterward they play carry on so you could carry on about your day. Same thing with evening colors, which was a different bugle call than morning colors. That way you knew which one was which in case you couldn't tell your time of day. And then they had taps before uh, you go to bed at night, right? Remember all those bugle calls? Okay, every one of them played on the same instrument, but the way in which the notes were arranged told you what to do. Now, that's pretty important, right? And Paul even says that in this passage. If the trumpet doesn't give a certain sound, who's going to prepare himself to battle? Because remember, the watchman on the wall will be watching over the city, and if there was approaching danger, they would sound the alarm, which was a trumpet, but it had to be the alarm that everybody understood, prepare for battle. Because if he just starts playing, you know, Mary had a little lamb on his trumpet, everybody's going to be like, what is wrong with him? Right? They're not going to prepare. So it has to be an understood sound. And so it is, Christian. Your or my voice needs to be something that is understood. You know, it's interesting to me when people try to explain things that are very complicated, but they really don't know it. Then they use all the complicated terms to try to make themselves look smart, and you have no idea what they're talking about. You know what I find? Somebody who really knows the subject matter can explain it to me at my level. I usually tell them, talk to me like I'm a second grader and I'll understand it, right? You know, <laughs> this is what happened in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8.8. So they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what preaching is all about. They read the word of God distinctly. They read it clearly. They enunciated their word so they can understand. Read it nice and loud so everybody in the audience could hear. Gave the sense. That's what I try to do on Sunday mornings, is give the sense of the words. What, does, what did God mean when he said this? And cause the people to understand. That's hopefully the goal at the end of the message, that you have an understanding of what the passage was about. Again, in Exodus 32, 17 and 18, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. Joshua thought, it sounds like war. But then Moses tunes his ear and he says, hmm, not the voice of them having mastery, not victory, not the voice of them being overtaken, or not being defeated. That sounds like people singing. You know, when we sing, there needs to be a distinction in our voice. There needs to be a proper singing to the glory of God. If you could turn this on, I'll do, I'll do my imitation of most singers today. First of all, can you turn this on for me? They got to hold the mic like this, like they're eating the microphone. And then they got to get real breathy about what they're singing. Are you in pain? 
Now you all laugh, but you've all heard the music. <sighs> or worse yet, screaming at the top of our lungs. What kind of music is that? It's not organized music. And music is to be a voice to praise Him. And that noise that people call music today is a mockery of what God created. The voice is to be distinct. Secondly, the, the voice is to be significant. Verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, but none of them is without signification. That has the idea of being dumb or silent or without meaning. Our voice, Christian, is not to be silent. Remember Jeremiah after ministering for a while and everything seems to be going wrong? I mean, Jeremiah's ministry was a tough ministry. Everything he did, he's getting in trouble for it. He gets stuck in a dungeon. He gets all these things done to him. And, you know, he just gets to a point that I, I, I understand. He says, I said I will make mention of him. I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. In other words, he's like, I'm done. I quit. I'm not going to talk about God anymore. Every time I speak of God, all I do is get in more trouble. But this is what he says. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Christian, that's how the word of God needs to be in your my life, is a burning fire that we must tell others. It doesn't matter the consequences, but I must do what God has called me to do. I feel that way as a preacher. I can't do none other but preach Christ. But then let's go back to some of the verses we looked at just a little bit ago, and we're not going to go through the slides again. But that the heavens declare the glory of God, according to Psalm 19, as we saw. You see, creation's voice proclaims its creator. Romans 1.20 puts it this way. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What is Paul saying? He's saying there is no way, no way you can look at the complexity of this universe and say, it just happened by random chance. There is no way anybody can come to that conclusion. Because there is way too much organization there's way too much design, and design requires a designer. And what he's saying is the fact of creation, if you listen to the voice of creation, it will tell you that there is an eternal power, there is a Godhead. Now, it's not enough to bring a man to salvation. I understand that, but the natural revelation shows there is a God, and it screams there is a God. There's no way you can look at nature and say, happened by random chance. It's too complex. It's too much to it. It's too organized. It works a certain way every time. Okay, anybody wake up this morning cold? Right? Do you realize if our earth were not at the distance it is from the sun, if we were closer, we would burn up. If we were further, we would all freeze. But we stay on this orbit that God has created around the sun at a perfect distance at all the time. That Yes, we do experience seasons. Yes, we do have hot and cold, and that's because our earth tilts. So if that little tilt creates the, that, that much difference in the temperature, think of if he were to take it and just move it 500 miles out or 500 miles in or whatever, you know, but you get the idea. There's not much distance compared to space. You know, we'd be a solid block of ice or we'd all be burned up. How does that happen? 
How does it happen that when I plant tomato seeds, I don't get cucumbers? I expect to get tomatoes, and I will get tomatoes if I don't kill it for in the process. Because God designed it that way. And the voice of creation proclaims there is a God. Now, as I said, it's not enough to bring one to salvation. That is why, Christian, you and I have a voice. Because God has left you and I here to be his mouthpiece, to tell others about the saving grace of God. To tell others, you know what? The wickedness you see in this world is not the way God designed it. The sin you see in this world is not the way God designed it. It's the result of man choosing to sin against God. And sin separates us from God. And we all deserve death because of our sin. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. And we're not talking just physical death, but we're talking an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That is what I deserve. But you do realize God never created hell for man because it was not his intent for man to go to hell. Man chose to sin and rebel against God because God gave Adam a free choice and God said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because God did not create a robot to automatically worship him. He created man with a free will and Adam exercised his free will to rebel against God, thereby sinning and plunging all mankind into sin. And so we inherit from Adam that sin nature that separates us from God. But I'm glad John 3.16 is in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm glad that God himself knew my need. And before the foundation of the world, Jesus said, I will give my life for our creation. That Jesus Christ became a man. He became one of us and lived a perfect sinless life and gave his life on the cross of Calvary. He died, he was buried, he rose again the third day victorious over death and hell but shedding his blood to pay for my sin. And if I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he gives to me the, the gift of eternal life. So instead of being eternally separated from God, I can dwell with God eternally in heaven. Hallelujah. You do realize, Christian, God has chosen your and my voice to be the one to proclaim that message. That makes my voice pretty significant. Just as we see Abel's blood crying out for justice, just as we see the signs gave to Moses proclaiming his glory, our voice is to be used to preach the gospel and bring glory to him. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, every time you take a Bible and you share with someone else the truths of how they can be saved, you're preaching the gospel. And we do it for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Your voice is significant. Use it for Him. Your voice is significant. Use it for Him. Going back to what I started in the beginning, in the introduction, that phrase that Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson said, John the Baptist may have lost his head, but he never lost his voice, started me on this study of the voice. And we are going to talk about the voice of John the Baptist, Lord willing, in the future. But it just made me really think. God gave every one of us a voice. It is to be used. It is to be distinct. It is to be significant. But how often do we abuse the voice that God gave us? And instead of using it for His glory, we use it for pride. We use it for selfish reasons. 
you do realize that God gave all these voices. He gave the voices to the animals, the voices to the heavens, the voices of all these different things we've already seen. But the only one that he gave a choice on how to use their voice is man. You see, a dog uses his voice for the glory of God when he barks and to annoy you in the middle of the night. A cow uses their voice to move. Right? But they do it for the glory of God because that's what cows do. All creation is proclaiming God's glory. But the only voice that he gave an option on is yours. You have a choice. Am I going to use my voice for his glory or am I going to use it for self? That's a pretty powerful thought, isn't it? You know why we remember John the Baptist and his voice? Because he used it for God's glory. Which brings us then to the last point. The voice needs to be meaningful. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, it should be in the uh, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be to me uh, be a barbarian unto me. So what Paul's saying is, okay, the common language of the day was, what did Paul speak? Do you know what language would Paul speak? Greek. Very good. If you were not a Greek speaker, you were barbarian. Okay, so there's probably a little more to that, but kind of sum it up. If you weren't speaking Greek, you're a barbarian. You were one of those that we can't communicate. So if you, if I were up here speaking again in French or German or Latin, you'd be sitting here bored to tears because you would have a clue what I'm saying, especially if there wasn't an interrupter, I mean an interpreter, to show you what I'm saying or tell you what I'm saying, right? It only works because you understand the same language that I do. And so Paul in this passage is trying to lay out very clearly what good is it speaking in these tongues if nobody hears it? Well, what good is it if you and I are speaking and nobody understands what we're saying? Again, as I said, sometimes people get so technical with things, I have no clue what they're talking about. I've also heard people that can speak a half hour and say nothing. We've all heard them. No offense, brother, but typically it's politicians. <laughs> but I are one too, so I can say it, right? <laughs> but you admit even half of them can speak a half hour and say absolutely nothing, right? Well, when we speak, it should have meaning and purpose to what we're saying. Therefore, we need to be careful in the words we use. We've all heard the silly little expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I say it's a silly expression because it is so untrue. As a matter of fact, as I deal with people, you know what has left deeper scars? Some of the deepest scars are the words people have spoken to them. Words cut. Words can hurt. But words can also build up and edify. This same mouth can be used as an instrument of glory to God and edifying others, or it could be tearing others down and showing the pride of self. So there needs to be meaning to what I say and to what I do. And so my purpose for my voice needs to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, But if the gospel be hid, 
It is the hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In other words, if I choose not to use my voice the way God has want, God desires for me as a Christian, to use my voice to proclaim the gospel, then I am hiding the message of the gospel from the lost world. That's an improper use of my voice. And I will be held accountable for that when I stand before him. But also, then the message needs to be clear. I try to be careful of my grammar. Now I slip up sometimes. I try to enunciate my words correctly, although I've been told that I do not at times. When I was in a preaching class at school, the instructor took off because he says, uh, my TH has come out like D's. It says this and that. and It's like, from Philly. He didn't buy it. Where we have water instead of water. But he didn't buy that either. So I really do try to work on those things. Why? Not because I'm trying to impress you, but as my English teacher said, if you use proper grammar, you're never going to offend anybody. But if you use improper grammar, you're going to offend all the grammar Nazis out there. So simplest way to try not to be offensive is to speak properly, right? But also, in proclaiming the truth of the gospel, as we studied earlier, that Paul said Timothy heard the scriptures from a child. You know, we need to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. Don't try to impress people with big theological terms when a smaller term will do. Right? Explain what you mean. Don't try to impress people with fancy speech, but just preach the word as we're told in 2 Timothy 4.2. But more importantly, your walk and your talk need to match. You've heard the saying, your walk walks and your talk talks, but your, talk, your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Don't say that fast five times. But don't just talk about your faith, but live it. I said earlier as well that I was having a conversation with our new city manager, and it sounded like kind of like he was apologizing a little bit for some of his beliefs. And I told him, stop apologizing for what you believe. Christian, we all do it. We're all guilty of it. We feel in this world that somehow they've, manipulated our thinking that we have to apologize for what we think and what we believe. They don't, and God said so, therefore I need to stop apologizing for what I believe and just say, thus saith the Lord. Not arrogantly, not pridefully, but boldly, because I, why should I apologize what God said? I think I have better authority than most of them do. Well, what authority do you have? Well, I think it's right. All the voices God created are important. There's a significance to every one of them. And he created you with a voice. How are you using your voice for his glory? Is your voice distinct from the world? Is it a voice that is understood? Are you preaching clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ to others? Are you living a life that is wholly separated? unto God. Now I mentioned earlier in the message about Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross at Calvary for you and for me. Perhaps you're here this morning 
and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's never been a time in your life when you've acknowledged the fact that you are a sinner separated from God. That because of our sin, there's nothing in us we can do good enough to save ourselves. And we deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. But as I said, the wonderful news is Jesus Christ did come and die for you. If you were the only person on this world, he still would have come and died for you. Because God loves you that much. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants to save you. And so if you're here this morning and you do not have that assurance of salvation, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, in just a few moments we're going to give an opportunity for you to respond to what we call the invitation, the time when you can do business with God. And we would love the opportunity to take a Bible and take you aside privately and show you from the Bible, not from man's opinion, but from the Bible that God himself gave us, how you can know that you have eternal life. That would be the first step to making your voice a significant voice. But Christian, are you using your voice for the glory of God? If not, again, during this time of invitation, we'll give you opportunity to get that right with Him. Because every one of our voices is significant and is to be used for God's glory. Let us bow for a word of prayer.